Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. We don't want to have substitution in our life. We want to have transformation. A Bible teacher by the name of Warren Wiersbe wrote on this subject about how many times parents will substitute broken toys for their kids all the time, replacing, 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 so the kids always have to have the best, the greatest, the goodest, all of this kind of stuff. And he said that that can breed immaturity rather than taking what you have and trying to fix it. Taking what you have and accepting it for life. Accepting the fact that you might not get another toy and this is all you get, but that's okay. Life goes on and you won't die. And I'm wondering that sometimes in our life, we either had parents like that or we got in a stage where we could do that. Whether you had money or you had plastic, and so you kept using plastic to do that, we began to take the things that were unhappy in our life and we substituted stuff, thinking that that will bring us joy, only to find that they were broken, they got stolen, or lost, whatever that is. And, and I'm, if I can make it even more practical, how many times we go through some dark times and we abandon our mate? We run from job to job. We trade cars in every two or three years. We have to have the latest electronic widget because something new came out at the Apple store or at the Windows store. And none of that is wrong. I mean, I, I think running from mate to mate is obviously and there are times that you will change your jobs and there will be times that you have to get a car. I'm not saying not that. But you know what I'm saying. You know in your own heart of hearts what I'm saying. Those that have to keep replacing because they like, watch this, the smell and the feel of new. If you kind of know what I'm talking about, say, uh-huh. All right, you know what I'm saying. And so one time that happens, we begin to keep chasing more. Now, this gets really heavy, and I don't want to even spend a lot of time, but when you get something new, your body then begins to enjoy an adrenaline rush. All of a sudden, even your body and chemistry in your body be, be, begins to work against you in the sense that you like that adrenaline that you get when you get that or whatever is new that you're experiencing. And you become an adrenaline junkie, and all of a sudden that stuff becomes the joy, and it's cheating us from our intimacy from God and we're chasing all of that that's out there instead of allowing the Lord to transform it. He does the replacing rather than we do it. So I hope that we might center down on God, enjoy what we have, and then when we have to replace something, we don't do it because we're unhappy. Do it because we made a, watch this, proactive choice based upon correct motives for the glory of God, using the principles of Scripture to make that change. So there's a lot in that to change. doesn't mean don't change, but the reason you don't change is to merely do it because that's going to bring you greater joy. We already know that doesn't happen, but now we have to live it. So that's my first main point. Recognize the process, going from confusion to grief, then to the final change of all of this. And it is huge, and it does happen. Now, if you will... <clears throat> Let's go to verse um, 21, and here's his illustration. He says, whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. That means she's ready to deliver. She's in pain. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Now, for a moment here, some of you are going to say, that's got to be a lie because I'm a woman, and I, I remember that anguish that I went through. 
And here I'm a, I'm a man, and I'm a, I'm a different kind of man in the sense that my dear wife never bore a child out of her womb. So I've never seen my wife with morning sickness. I've never seen her uncomfortable. I've never seen her with all the things you ladies tell us that you go through, that I believe you go through. I've never watched her. I've never heard her scream. I never did any of that. But if the Lord says that no matter that anguish, it's replaced by joy, it doesn't necessarily mean you don't remember all that anguish. It means that the joy is greater than the anguish. Are you catching what I'm saying? What I'm, what I'm trying to say is the brilliance of the sun is brighter than the darkness of the dark. I think I got that out. I think you know what I'm trying to say. So ladies, I am not minimizing your anguish, so don't send me any e emails. And I know it's tough, and you can remember a lot of that stuff you went through, but just for a moment, you have that. And those of you that work in the pro-life ministry movement, we often try to get that mother to see her baby because often they change their mind because of the joy. That being said, so right now I want you to get beyond the, the pain of the, the challenges that you have knowing that you will deliver something very beautiful that will bring you the greatest of joy in and through Christ. Verse 22, therefore you too have grief now, okay, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from me. Would you underline that last phrase? And no one will take your joy away that is a sermon right there because there's a lot of messages on, they're called joy suckers and joy robbers. You, you probably heard that too, that you, you got this joy and a person comes in your life and they want to suck all the joy out of it like a vacuum cleaner. I, I know people can do that, but according to scripture, it says nobody can take that joy away from you. So I believe that you could say, if anyone takes your joy away from you, it's because you let them. But they don't have to take your joy away. They can't take your joy away. And my deeper question is this, watch this. If they took your joy away, was it real joy to start with? Now talk about that on your way home. If they took your joy away, was it real joy that you really had to start with? Because Jesus says, when it's my joy, they can't take it away. Now, why do I agree with that? I'm going to get real heavy now, so pay real close attention. All right. When I trust Christ, we know that I'm a partaker of the divine nature. He now lives inside of me. Jesus is in me, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit comes to be inside of me, so he is inside of me. The Bible says that I am kept by the power of God in his hand and I am sealed inside of me. So that means that the joy that I have in Christ cannot be taken away from me, which means I cannot lose my salvation, I cannot lose God, I cannot lose the Holy Spirit, so that joy is there. Now, Will I miss my joy? Yeah, if I don't walk with the Lord and do the things that are necessary. But I want you to know that His joy is inside of you. Hold your place here. Go back to John 15. This is huge. This is a great verse. John 15. Look at this. Just one page or one chapter over to the left. John 15. Look at verse 11. These things have I spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. Whose joy? Jesus' joy. The joy that he had when he went to the cross and he's teaching about joy. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Actually, it should read that your joy may be made complete, that you'll have the fullness of joy in your life. My joy may be in you and that's the fullness of joy. Now watch what I'm going to do up here for just a second. When Jesus was going to the cross now, he didn't go to the cross Yippee, I'm going to the cross. He didn't do cartwheels and man, this is great. 
You'll notice he cried. He sweat great drops of blood. There was all of this. Couldn't you just wait while I'm... So you are going to go through this time of anguish. But he says, I'm still the center of joy. Because, watch this. I look beyond the darkness of the night to the sun. I look beyond the grave to the resurrection. And I love this. He just didn't rise again from the dead only to kick off and die again. He rose again from the dead and he ascended up on high. And he is forevermore in heaven where every knee will bow and everyone will claim him as Lord. And that's the same joy that you and I have because even when we die, we too will resurrect physically at the rapture or when we die with him forever and ever and ever to be with him. Now they won't be bowing down to us, but we'll be bowing down to him where with him, where in heaven, where with a new body forever and ever and ever when we trust Christ as Savior. All right, let's go to point number two. So we recognize God's process. I preached enough on that. You got it. I want to talk about practicing genuine prayer. Let's go to verse 23. This is a little bit longer passage, but there's not a lot of subpoints, So I'm going to just kind of commentate as I go through here. But you might want to have your pens ready. It says here, in that day, and I believe that day is not talking about the resurrection day. I believe it's talking about the day that the Spirit comes. You will not question me about anything. The reason being is because they did question him after the resurrection, but before the ascension. All right? You will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I've already taught you that, get the CDs, how many times the phrase truly, truly is found in the Gospel of John, emphasizing he's saying something very important that's full of truth. He says, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. So it tells me that asking and receiving is building intimacy with the Lord that results in a sense of joy. Now, stay up, stay with me now. Asking the Lord means that now in your heart you know that there is somebody who is bigger than you are, who has the source of what you need, and you can go to him. Now you're figuring out, is this what he wants when he wants it for me? So you're still connecting to the Lord by asking. So you have that peace to know that there's somebody that's bigger in your life, the biggest, biggest, big in your life that can perform the biggest need that you have that no other human being can do. You know you have that. Even that amount can give you joy. But now when he answers that, in a way that brings glory to him and hopefully agrees with what you requested because it was in God's will, you have the joy of, look what I got. I asked and he gave this to me. How many of you have gone to the Lord when you had a need that only he could meet and he met that need? Would you raise your hand? All right, look around, guests. Keep these hands up. This is a witness and there's that sense of joy. Now, I'll take it a step further. Even though you have the asking and the receiving in this context right here, I want you to know it's still all about building intimacy with him way beyond just the uh, rub-a-dub-dub, my genie in the bottle, and he gives me what I want. It's not about just asking and receiving, requesting and getting. It's about building a relationship with him, and that's where the real joy comes from, that you can keep on asking, seeking, knocking to him, all about him. And perhaps maybe there's a time that you are having to make the decision either, ah, oh, he doesn't listen to me, so forget it. Or maybe making the decision, is there something in my life that maybe needs to be corrected before I get it? So now you go a little bit deeper into holiness. Or maybe it's a time in your life that says, you know what, even if I don't get it, it's okay. Because I only want what and when God wants me to have it. So now my desire is his desire. Whatever you want, Lord, I'm making this request. You take care of me. And that's the joy. So it doesn't matter whether you get a new house, new car, new baby. What it does matter is, are you like this with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? One more thought here. You see where it says, 
um, ask of the Father anything in my name and he will give it to you. That's the third time that he told these guys in this 30-minute discourse. He kept reminding them, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me. I will give it to you. I'll give it to you. That's going to tell you that I'm not a rock, that I will respond. And this is going to help you in your intimacy with me. He kept doing that. So I want you to know that if you're not having joy, could it be that you are not communing with the Lord enough or correctly, intimately? So just do a checkup. I'm I'm not here pointing fingers. I'm just saying you can see it all in this context. Verse 24. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Why? So that your joy may be made full or complete. Hmm. The first part about it talked about how that in the Lord I have this. Now it says if I ask, my joy will be complete. So joy is connected to prayer. Underline that in your Bible. So probably those Christians that are not enjoying the joy of the Lord could be that they're not talking to him as much as they should be. And maybe we need to ramp that up a little bit. Verse 25. These things have I spoken to you in figurative language, and hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in a veiled language, like you did with parables, but will tell you plainly of the Father. I will be speaking plainly, which he did to them through the Spirit, and that's why most of these guys wrote the New Testament. All right, let's go a little bit further. Verse 26. In that day, meaning when the Holy Spirit now comes, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. You're thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you asked Jesus, and then he takes it to God the Father. I know that he's the mediator between us and the Father. But here he's saying, I won't do that any longer. Look up here. Do you know why? Because when the Spirit comes inside of you, you have absolute, 100%, direct, hot access to God Almighty yourself. That's the joy of all of this. Now, Christ provides all of that, so I celebrate him. And I don't make, you got God and Christ way out of here, and Christ is kind of outside the building, and God's inside the building. They're all one now, because he's with the Father. So by asking God, you're asking Christ. By asking Christ, you're asking God the Father, because it's all about him. That's the beauty of prayer, and how it brings that joy to us. So he's saying that's going to happen. Now, stay with me a little bit further. Verse 27, it says, For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Meaning, I'm the Father. I came forth from the Father. We talked about that, so get the tape. Verse 28. I came forth from the Father. I have come into the world. I am leaving the world again. And I'm going to the Father. Now, if you want to underline a verse in, in John 16, this would be the one. And the reason I'm saying this is such an important verse, watch this, is because you have the whole workings of Christ wrapped up in just one verse. You have what we call the incarnation. God came down from God. God the Father became the Son on the earth, Son man on earth, the flesh part, okay, came on the earth. Then it talks about him dying, resurrecting, ascending, and it talks about him going all the way to heaven then, and that's his glorification. So you have the death, burial, resurrection, ascension. You have the incarnation, you have the resurrection, ascension, and glorification all in one verse. So you are now seeing all of God, Christ, in one verse. So mark it. Let's go back over it again. It's so rich. Jesus says, I came forth from the Father. That's the incarnation. And I've come into this world, still part of the incarnation. So I am God in this world in human form. I am leaving the world again. That's resurrection and ascension. And I'm going to the Father again. And that's glorification. So that's all wrapped up in the person of Christ. So we're talking about all of it in one verse. Verse 29. So his disciples said, this was their response when they heard that. Lo, now you're speaking plainly. (laughs) Now we get it. And you're not using figurative language. 
Folks, do you get it? That's my question. Do you get it? Now we got it, they said. Do you get it? Do you get it? Say amen. I didn't ask if you understood it. I'm still spending a lifetime trying to understand all this. And I love the journey. And I know more today than I did last year. And I know I'll know more next year than I'll this year. But I do get it. I don't have any question that Jesus is God. I have no question that he came to this earth. I know why he came to this earth. I know what he did for me on the cross. I know what he did after he was on the cross. I know where he went. And I know why he went there. I may not know why I'm going through my problems. But I know who does. And it's okay. Let's go back now to verse 29. He says, Lo, now you're speaking plainly and you're not using figurative language. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. But this we believe, that you came from God. And Jesus said to them, Do you now believe? Do you get it now? Yep. Verse 32. Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered. Now why is that saying that? He, he knows. He, he knows. I'm about ready to go to the cross. We knew the hour was coming. It's already here. It's going to happen tonight. He's basically saying, I am going to go to the cross, and you guys are going to run like chickens, each to his own home, and you're going to leave me all alone. And yet I'm not all alone, because the Father is with me. Okay, now look up here. This is really important for me, because at the beginning of the message, I mentioned to you how that Jesus is talking about joy. We know that in Christ is the fullness of joy, and he's provided it for me, and he's going to the cross. So he's going to his period of deep, dark challenge, we'll say. I'm going to go through my own facing of challenges. I know Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is going to be with me. I know that Scripture says, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man will do to me. I got all that promise. But now I'm seeing the promise fulfilled even in the life of Christ when Christ says, I'm going to go through all of this stuff and my heavenly Father will be with me. So if the heavenly Father would be with Christ, my Christ is going to be with me and he's going to be with you. So whatever you're going through, you can go through it, not manufacturing your own joy, but you relying upon the fact that Jesus is right there in you and with you Watch this. In the form of the Godhead. Because you have the Spirit. You have God the Father. Everything is all right there. So you've got the biggest and the best. Whatever you're going through. And in this case, it was grief. A loss that stole the joy. So you can have joy even in the midst of it. I want to end with the last point, And this will go quickly. You can accept God's peace. Remember how I told you begin with joy. It's going to end with peace. Verse 33. He says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. A little humor here. How many times you've heard me say, I said all of that to say this? How many of you have heard me say that before? Would you raise your hand? Look at all of you. Some of you are sick and tired of me saying that. You know where I got that from? I got it from Jesus, so I'm going to keep on doing it. He said, these things have I spoken unto you. I said all of that, so that you'll do this. All right. So that's where I got it from. All right. So that in me you may have peace. You could underline the phrase, in me. Where's your peace? In me. In the world, you will have tribulation. But in me, you will have peace. The beauty of it all is that I will be in the world, so I will have tribulation and I will have peace at the same time. Did you catch that? When you are in this world, and we will be, you will have tribulation. But you can still have peace. When you're in this world with tribulation, you'll have tribulation. But you'll also have joy. Because it's all found in Christ. It's not going to be found in anything else. And why? He says, but take courage. 
I have overcome the world, so I'm bigger than whatever problem you have. So let's finish this up. Three truths about peace. Not peace that's the absence of trouble, because we're going to have trouble in the world. We live in the world. But it's going to be peace in the midst of trouble. I'm going to have peace in the midst of trouble. So it's not the absence of trouble, but peace in the midst of trouble. Not peace in circumstances, because there'll be some good circumstances and there'll be some other circumstances, but no peace in circumstances, but there will always be peace in Christ. There'll always be peace in Christ. So that in me, you may have peace. It's a promise. Not the peace of escape, to run from it, but the peace of overcoming it. Why? I have overcome the world. And if we're in him, we've overcome the world. And I like that phrase, overcome. It didn't say, you will endure the world. You'll bite the bullet while you're suffering in the world. He says, no, you'll have pain, but you'll overcome it. So how do I discover this kind of peace? Well, back to the verse. These things have I spoken to you so that. Listen to and act upon what Jesus said. Listen to and act upon what Jesus said. I've um, given you a list of little homework things here. I probably should call them action points because we hate the term homework, don't we? So maybe they're action points. Maybe pick out one of the projects below and work on it this week. Find the one that works for you that you want to do. Read these stories from the Bible and look up God's process of joy in the life of Joseph, Daniel, Jesus, and Paul. Look at the verses we have there. Ask yourself a question each time you pray this week. You might even write it down on a card to remind yourself. And your question could be, Do I expect God to answer this prayer? Maybe we don't go in really believing. Next, the first time you're tempted to escape to find peace this week somewhere else, ask Jesus to show you the way that you can overcome in where you are to have this peace. And my favorite of all, if you only had time to do one thing, memorize John 16, 33. Do that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you for letting me have this amount of time today. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that in you is the fullness of joy. But the operative phrase is in you. It's over and over. It's the biggest little word in the book of Ephesians. In, 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 in. And the object's got to be you. And Father, I believe that there are those hearing my voice, whether on our radio program or on the internet or maybe even here or picked up a CD, that are wanting this joy. And their first step to get it is to be in you. And I pray that they will get in you by taking their little bit of faith and placing it in you and you alone. Not coming to you with faith in you and works for you, but just faith in you. Knowing that you will give them the free forgiveness of sin because it's by faith alone. That they'll always be aware that by not trusting in you, the consequence is horrific for eternity separation from you and a horrible place forever in torment and condemnation. But Father, just by faith in you, they could have eternal life. And so Father, right now I pray they're calling upon you to be their Savior. They're taking their faith, believing that you are the Lord, God Almighty, who went to the cross as Jesus Christ, who paid their sin debt, forgives them of sin, rose again from the dead, the proof of all of that and the satisfaction of that payment is all made. And now, Father, so much comes from you when we are in you. And today we learned about joy. And so, Lord, we ask that you replace what's in our life with transformation. And for us, it may be to keep on trusting. 
Keep on expecting. And Father, we'll do that. That those that are suffering some deep needs right now, that they would still know that no matter how tough it gets here, by being in you, they will go to heaven. And that whatever they go through will never be what you went through for us so that we can be in you. So, Father, now I pray that as we take this communion together, that we're remembering the elements of what you did on the cross for us to prove that you were God, to pay our sin debt, to make the way for us to be in you. And so, Father, now your peace can be in us. Your joy now can be in us. Because when we're in you, you then come in to us. Father, we thank you for that as we now together with this exchange moment celebrate what you've done for us on the cross knowing you are alive and coming back. In your name we pray, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.